0: The Obama administration has unveiled a government private sector strategy that it says would eventually let users obtain a single credential to transact business over the Internet. The initiative is known as NSTIC, the National Strategy for Trusted Identities in Cyberspace, and I'm pleased to welcome Jeremy Grant. He's Senior Executive Advisor for Identity Management at the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, and he's the government's sweatman on NSTIC. Thanks for taking time to chat. Yeah, my pleasure. What is NSTIC and how would it work?
1: NSIC is the National Strategy for Trusted Identities in Cyberspace. It's a, a strategy that was produced by the White House and released on April 15th that's essentially focused on how can we as a country better enhance uh, online choice, efficiency, security and privacy in all the transactions that we do every day online. It's essentially, you know, trying to solve a, a couple of different issues. Uh, the, the first is that passwords, which are essentially what most of us use as our authentication layer when we go online for transactions, aren't quite what they used to be. And in fact, it's quite questionable whether what they used to be was anything that's good. Most folks are managing you know, either 25 different passwords that are all complex, in which case they're roughly writing them down in something that they carry in their wallet or a notebook. Uh, it's not overly convenient. It's not overly secure. Or they're all using the same one or two passwords for everything they do online, which creates all sorts of different vulnerabilities if that one password is stolen. And, and we certainly know talking to a lot of different folks in industry how common that is and, and what the impact is. The second issue we're trying to address is coming up on 18 years after the famous New Yorker cartoon was published, uh, people still don't know that you're a dog on the internet. And in some circumstances, that's perfectly acceptable. There's a lot of things we do online, whether it's just surfing the web or engaging in sort of what I would say, you know, low-risk transactions where nobody really needs to know who you are so long as you can pay or blogging online or commenting on a blog, for example, where you can be anonymous or, you know, even be going online, you know, under a pseudonym. Uh, But there's a lot of things where businesses and government and other organizations would like to be able to move more high-value transactions online, and they can't because of the risks involved. As a result, there's a lot of, of things you could be doing online today that continue to require instead paper signatures and, you know, waiting in line at brick and mortar offices and whatnot. Uh, and I'd say the third thing we're focused on uh, is enhancement of privacy. Uh, everybody's aware you know, of some of the trends over the last few years of, you know, you're providing more and more information everywhere you go. Don't have a whole lot of control over what you actually have to provide in order to engage in a transaction or how it's being collected or used or shared. Really try and, you know, put more, more choice and control over that back in the hands of the consumer. The ANSIC is essentially a strategy that, that's focused on all three of those. It, it, it looks at, at its core, how could we come up with a system where you'd have really what we call an identity ecosystem, which would be a very large and vibrant, diverse marketplace of different credential providers that could get you some sort of technology that would be more secure than the usernames and passwords that you use today. There's been a lot of talk about it being a, a single identity or a single key. And I think it's very important to note there's nothing in ANSIC that would actually encourage or mandate that folks have only a single identity. Certainly, something you could have if you wanted to have a single uh, credential for single sign-on purposes. But NSIC is also designed in a way that you could be able to obtain multiple credentials and use them for different purposes, in many cases, depending on the the kind of transaction you're engaged in.
0: What is the government's role in NSICs?
1: Government really has a couple of roles. One is to convene. I'm at NIST, and NIST has for years helped to bring together different stakeholders outside of government to forge, you know, consensus standards and best practices on a variety of technologies, including a ton of work that we've done around cybersecurity and identity management over the years. The second role of the government is to be an early adopter. If these credentials are going to be in place across the U.S. government by agreeing to accept them for different transactions online and being a party to some of the contracts that will govern their use, we believe we can, you know, catalyze a whole new range of different technologies being used by the rest of the country as they go
0: online. Is there a role for government in governing NSTIC once these credentials are out?
1: Our vision is that this is an area where the private sector could lead. The strategy specifically calls for the establishment of a steering body for the identity ecosystem we want to create that would be led by the private sector. And, and to be clear, by the private sector, we don't just mean industry. We mean the broader range of, of non-government entities, which could include advocacy groups for things like privacy and consumer interests, nonprofit, academia, other organizations that are out there. We will play a big role in helping to stand that up over the first few years and, and helping to, from the NIST perspective, do whatever we can to create the standards and the best practices that will govern NSTIC, ultimately we think this is something that ought to be led by the private sector. Now, having said that, there are areas for things, for example, you know, privacy, what happens when a firm signs up to the principles of the NSTIC on privacy and it doesn't follow them. There could certainly be some areas of, you know, where government plays a role in enforcement. This is something that, that, you know, we're still in the early stages and, and need to delve into quite a bit more.
0: Is there any example of the kind of organization that could be set up to govern NSTIC existing in some other area today?
1: Sure. About 15 years ago, the federal government decided, and it wasn't just the government, there was a lot of interest from other stakeholders, that we really shouldn't have paper food stamps or, or, or welfare checks anymore. If you think about it, when was the last time you actually saw somebody at the supermarket with paper food stamps? They come out and they swipe a card that goes through the point of sale terminal, the same as you use for your Visa or MasterCard. The difference is that card, if they're on food stamps, has a logo on it instead of Visa or MasterCard that's, that's called Quest. You know, what happened there, was the government, in this case, it was the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which oversees food stamps, worked with a group called NACHA, North American Clearinghouse Association, which maintains a lot of the technical standards and and operating rules for how bank cards work, and asked them to form what was known as the Electronic Benefits Transfer, or EBT Council, where they brought in different stakeholders from technology providers, people who make the point-of-sale terminals, uh, the retailers who accept them, consumer advocates, privacy advocates, the advocates for the poor, the banks who have a lot to do with how that system works, and really any Somebody else who, who had a stake in it and facilitated the creation of the standards and operating rules that now enabled the elimination of, of paper food stamps and move everything towards the bank card system that's just one example of you know what the government's done before and you know we're currently studying uh, a number of different governance models and trying to figure out what the best one should be in fact we'll be having a workshop on this in early June at a date that we're uh, still still locking down right now but should have an uh, announcement on shortly
0: our audience, Primarily consists of IT security professionals working in government, banking, healthcare. What aspects of NSTIC should be important to them?
1: What NSIC will offer, you know, all of those different stakeholder groups is an ability to help solve whatever identity and security challenges they're facing today without actually having to issue credentials themselves. And there are some banks who will issue you a more secure technology than password. You know, classic example, my stock brokerage gives me a one-time password generator that they give to me for free uh, in part because, you know, somebody there has done the calculation that either they think that people like me will care about the added security and, and be loyal to them, which in fact, is, for my personal case is true, or the the values of the transactions I'm engaging with them are at a high enough risk profile that they simply need to provide this sort of thing in order to protect themselves, which I think is also true. The problem with that credential is it's pretty expensive. It's single-use. It's not interoperable anyplace else. And I think there's a lot of other companies that are out there, certainly, who would like to be able to take advantage of a customer base that's carrying ways to very uh, strongly and reliably authenticate their identity online, but just doesn't have the money to spend or uh, the ability to put the technical infrastructure in place. What NSIC aims to do by creating a vibrant identity ecosystem where there's multiple providers that are out there and you know coming up with with more innovative ways to get them into the hands of Americans, suddenly you 'll have a customer base that has options to authenticate beyond the username or password that 'll issue you. And that means one you don 't have to deal with you know, issuing them a credential, you know, in this case, a username or password themselves. Helpdesk costs can go down since I think, you know, most studies show anywhere of an average of 25 to $70 on password resets that helpdesk have to deal with all the time. And you'll have more assurance that essentially you're not to the dog on the Internet, that, you know, in cases where you really need to know more about a person that you actually, you know, have some assurance that they are who they say they are.
0: What's the timetable for NSPIC?
1: It's tough to say right now, in, in part because this was literally just in, you know, released last week, and, and our implementation efforts are just getting underway. Most of us who have been working on the project, I think, this is going to take some time to really bring different folks together and, and forge the consensus standards. Not to mention, you know, you have to, you know, from there, once standards are in place, allow for the market, you know, to have a little bit of time to develop on its own, and once the, you know they embrace those standards and rules. Our take is, in two or three years, we ought to have most of the baseline rules and standards in place, and you know, I'd say beyond that, three to five years for actually having. I mean the signs of what we would consider a, a vibrant identity ecosystem emerging across the country.
0: It's a market based approach in, in implementing this. Do you expect there may be some credential providers and perhaps there are people out there now who will be offering credentials that could be viable?
1: Sure. So, you know, today there are already plenty of firms that are out there, I shouldn't say plenty, but but, but, but but a not unhealthy number who will enable you to get stronger credentials today. Google, for example, recently created a free one-time password generator that you can download in just a few minutes to your BlackBerry, your iPhone, or your Android phone that you can use as a second factor of authentication when you're logging into Gmail or any of the other services that you'll log into with your Google account. There's other companies like Symantec that have made credentials available for several years that will work work with a variety of private sector relying parties, but it's a limited number, and, and thus, you know, because there's not a huge network that you can use it with, it doesn't have necessarily the value that something like that could have if everybody in the country took it. And those are just, you know, two examples of, of companies that are doing stuff today. There are a number of others as well. The value that NSIC really brings is if you can build a framework of standards that will ensure interoperability that, that, that you, know, sure this, you know, these credentials that are, frankly, the technologies there today can be used any place you go, it becomes a lot more worthwhile for you to have one, and we think the uptake will be
0: much more significant at that point. The Internet is global, obviously. What is being done in the same arena elsewhere in the world, and how does what we'll be doing here in the United States work with those uh, initiatives?
1: NSIC, I will say, is a really unique strategy relative to the way that the rest of the world has tried to solve this, which has generally been through the issuance of government sponsored identity cards, you know, often national IDs. It's a model that NSIC mm-hmm. specifically rejects, both, I think, because, you know, we've been through that debate here several times, and it's not something that we want. Do, as well as, you know, from the U.S. government's perspective, we think there's, you know, some notable privacy and civil liberties issues that you raise when you have essentially the government becoming the single issuer of identity credentials. You're also at that point locking into a single technology, which the market continues to innovate, doesn't really allow, you know, other innovations in the space to, to try to get a foothold in the market. It's just not a model that we're overly interested in. To the extent that we need to be compatible with national ID programs, we'll certainly engage, you know, where possible in, in the standards you know, for around the world, but it is a fundamental different model. What has been interesting is the level of expression that we've gotten since announcing the NSIC from other countries, who in many cases are looking where they spend a lot of money on issuing a national ID and find nobody's really using it because it was designed by the government for a specific purpose and doesn't actually fit what consumers want to use. We do think the model that we've laid out with NSIC where you'll have a number of private sector issuers leading the way and room for a multitude of different technologies and letting people you know, in the marketplace choose which one makes the best sense for them is something that's going to make a lot of sense going forward.
0: Is there any concern that there may be too many different kinds of offerings that could be confusing to the Internet user?
1: You certainly run into that if you've got several dozen different varieties to choose. On our side, from what we're seeing, we think there will be several models that emerge pretty quickly as being ones that will make sense for everybody, especially given how we're moving towards more and more mobile devices. Having something like you've seen several companies offer today, which can be stored automatically on your mobile phone, seems to make a lot of sense. I wouldn't say we're in an area where we think giving choices to consumers is a bad thing. In fact if anything we're eager to see a number of different technologies emerge and let the marketplace decide you know what does really the most compelling subset of those technologies to actually be
0: adopted. Anything we should be thinking about now about NSTIC that we didn't address in this conversation?
1: One, one thing we I should know we will be looking at next year uh, as the president has proposed $17.5 million in the FY12 government budget to fund pilots that could test out different use cases that are envisioned in NSTIC, try different architectural approaches, really perfect some of the different concepts, and and hopefully provide a foundation that we could build NSTIC on going forward. So we'll be very much looking to the private sector for interesting ideas in a few months for, you know, what pilots should look like. some point in the next few months, we'll be putting out criteria for looking for pilots and set up a formal proposal process to, to get input and suggestions from people.
0: And those interested in participating, how do they get in touch with you?
1: The easiest way is to, to, to stay in touch with us is, is through the website for NSTIC, which has been set up at www.nist.gov slash NSTIC, that's N-S-T-I-C, and there's, we keep a lot of information there. We're continually updating
0: the webpage each week. My contact information is out there as well. Thank you, Jeremy. My pleasure. I've been speaking with Jeremy Grant, Senior Executive Advisor for Identity Management at NIST. I'm Eric Chabro of GovInfoSecurity.com. Thanks for listening.